0: Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Good morning. I'm glad to see you all here today. I'm glad to be here. And I'm excited about what God is doing in our church and uh, in this community um, I'm going to just jump right in because I don't have a whole lot of, whole lot of time. Um, you saw the announcements. Um, check our, our, our Facebook and our, um, our website. Um, sign up for our mobile app. If you don't have our app, you can download it now. Follow us along with notes, but you'll get announcements and all those good things there. All right, let's jump right in. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for today, for this opportunity that we have to hear your heart. Father, I thank you that you're going to speak to us and we're going to leave different than than how we came in. God, our hearts are open. The ground of our heart, it is ready to receive the word, the seeds that are going to be planted today. And then for some, there may already have been some seeds. God, you're going to water those seeds and they're going to grow today. Thank you so much for everything that you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. Thank you so much again for, uh, for being here today. Uh, at the end of uh, last... Last year, uh, our pastor began to talk to us about uh, what this year was going to look like for our church, for us as a staff, for us as pastors, and then for our church. And one of the things that he said was that this was our first fruit year that, um, this is the first of the next decade. We just ended a decade. And if we changed our perspective and started to see this year as not just a new year, but the beginning of a new decade that we would begin to uh, do things differently. So we're going to pray more. We're going to fast more. We're going to have more worship nights and we're gonna do all of those good things. We're gonna do a whole bunch, and I, I'm pretty sure that he didn't uh, imagine that uh, uh, we were gonna be hit with COVID-19, and um, and we were gonna just like the whole year is already gone. Like it's it's July, but it feels like 12 years have passed. Um, <laughs> it's like we've we're already over halfway through the year, and I don't think he envisioned that. Um, being what was going to happen, but it's amazing what God will do when you take some time and actually listen to him. When you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart, he begins to prepare you for things to come. Things that you didn't even know that you were going to encounter that weeks, months, years down the line, if you begin to pray now and ask God to open up your heart and speak to you and pray in the spirit, he'll start to prepare you for things to come. And so that's what our pastor did. And then he said that our church is going to be marked with Reconciliation and revival—that we were going to be a church that would reconcile people back to Christ. That we're going to reconcile people back to each other, and then we're going to start a revival in this country, in our city, in our community, in this nation, in this world. That our church, Tree of Life—not talking about the church down the street—but our church is going to be marked with reconciliation and revival. And so he and I started to dialogue, and I um, had some—we had some conversations. Um, about a particular passage of Scripture. And if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 4. We're going to talk uh, John chapter 4. Um, and what we're going to see here, I'm actually going to be talking about today, closing the gap, closing the gap. That's what um, God's put on my heart today for, uh, for this message. And it actually has to do a lot with reconciliation, bringing things back together. And it starts in the beginning in Adam, or in Genesis, with Adam and we see this relationship that God had with, uh, with, with man. It was a close-knit relationship. Uh, they loved each other. They talked to each other. God would just come and walk through the garden with Adam. And, you know, they had this beautiful relationship, and it was just so tight-knit. It was just amazing. And then Eve got everybody in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody said, preach it. I hope you're not sitting next to your wife saying that. <laughs> Adam got everybody in trouble, but he was influenced by Eve. See, y'all women, y'all, y'all got some, uh, some great influ- influential skills. Um, so Adam, <laughs> Adam eats the, eats the fruit. I, I don't know what was said over here, but I'm not going to acknowledge it. Adam eats the fruit. And when he eats the fruit, what happens is we see this close-knit relationship between God and man begin to Separate. And we see this gap between God and we see man on this side. God gave Adam everything. He said, listen, I gave you all of this stuff, all of this stuff in this this garden. You had all the trees. You had all the fruit. You had all the plants. You had everything. You had apples and you had pears and you had bananas and you had oranges and you had greens and beans, potatoes and tomatoes. You name it. You had it all. There's like five people that watch uh, Instagram. Other people are like, I don't know what he's talking about right now. I don't, I don't get it. It all sounds good to me. Uh, you had all of this stuff and all you had to do was not eat from my tree. This one tree that belonged to me. You didn't have to just don't touch that one. You could eat from everything else, but this one right here is mine. And we know the story, Adam, does, Adam eats from it, we see the separation, we see this gap, and then what we see is that if we read the Bible and we study the Bible, we'll begin to see that there are parallels between the Bible and our world today. And when we see that same divide that we see between God and man, we see in our world today. We see a divide in our country. We see a divide in our world And the sad thing is we see a divide in our church. In God's church, not our church. In God's church, we see a divide. We see this divide between politics. We see this divide between race. We see this divide between gender. We see this divide. Listen, and I believe, I said this in first service, and it's not in my notes, but I'm going to say it again. I believe that we as believers, we as a church, and if I offend you, I'm sorry, Not sorry, at the same time. uh, I believe that we as believers are too, too connected to politics. That we are too involved in politics. That we, we affiliate ourselves as a Christian Republican or a Christian Democrat. We affiliate too much with the, with the politics of this world. And you know everything about the Republican policies. You know everything about the Democratic policies. But you have no idea what the word says about your life. And we identify with politics more than we identify with the kingdom. And the heart of God is that our identity is found in him, not in a party, a political party. And can I tell you that the Democratic Party is not God's party? I got, more, I got a whole bunch of claps at first service. Were like, all the Republicans was like, yeah. But can I also tell you that the Republican Party is not God's party? You may feel that one candidate over another candidate, that's God's man. Listen, they are, they it, it, you choose my words carefully <laughs> on both sides. There are issues. There is no perfect candidate. There is no candidate and no party that aligns with the word of God. Like we needed to align. See, there are a lot of things that, that the Republican believe that line up with the word, but there are a whole lot of things that do not. There are a lot of things that the democratic side believe that, that line up with the word of God. And there are a whole bunch that do not. Neither one of them align with the word of God completely with the kingdom of God. And we as believers, we as children of God should be more, our affiliation and our allegiance should be to the kingdom, not to a party. I'll take those three amens. That is fine. I amen myself. When I was at home, I preached this message to myself, and I, I would preach, and I'm like, amen, and talk back again. It's like, amen, you just preach a good fast day. And then My dog was looking at me like, something wrong with him. He's, he's crazy. So we're going to talk about a very familiar passage of Scripture, and remember, we're talking about closing the gap. And so in this book, in John chapter four, very uh, familiar scripture or passage, it's about the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well. Anybody know that story? Very, very, we love that story. We love the story of the, the, the woman at the well, but God allowed me to look at this or, or, or help my heart to look at this a lot differently. And we're going to walk through this scripture. we am going to have a little Bible study this morning, if you're okay with that. We're going to walk through this scripture, and we're going to see the things that Jesus did to close the gap. Now, let me set the premise for you because, or set the stage for you, because what's happening here in this time is that the Jews and the Samaritans absolutely hated each other. They did not like each other. They... They uh, they avoided each other at all costs. The Jews thought they were right. The Samaritans thought they were right. They both thought they were right. Kind of sound like the world today too, don't it? You got the, this side, the left side, oh, we right. And you got this side saying, no, we right. Everybody think they're right. None of them aligning with the kingdom of God. So anyway, so the Jews and the Samaritans, they absolutely hate each other. And this is years and years and years of hatred and walls of bitterness that have been built up against each other on both sides, on both sides. And uh, Pastor Rob texted me after the message. He said, the amazing thing is that they both had a picture of the Messiah. They were both waiting on the same thing, but they couldn't see because of their filters. And Jesus came to clear their filters. And if we understand that, that in this world, we all, for for the most part, us as believers in the sense that we all want the same thing. We all want Jesus's kingdom to come here on this earth as it is in heaven. We all want to see God uh, do some amazing and supernatural things, but sometimes we just have to clear off our filters a little bit. So Jesus comes to clear the filters. So you see, these are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of this divide between Jews and Samaritans. This this wall of hatred between Jews and Samaritans. Listen, it's a generational thing. These kids, these, these men and women in Jesus' time are, are at this particular moment in, in history, they weren't the start of this divide. They were taught it. I'm talking about their grandmothers and grandfathers and their parents and their parents and their parents. This thing has just been passed on from generation to generation. This hatred, this bitterness has just been passed on from generation to generation and the Jews are looking at the Samaritans or the Jews are telling their kids that you are you are better than those Samaritans. You are superior to them. They are beneath you. And then the Samaritans are on the other side and say, don't listen to that. You are stronger than they are. You are more beautiful than they are. You got God on the inside of you. They are underneath you. They are inferior to you. Kind of sounds like what we're experiencing in our world today, huh? You see that parallel that you can say in your heart, well, Pastor Dave, I'm not racist. I wasn't raised that way, but maybe your grandparents were. Maybe your par- their parents before them, they were. Well, Pastor Dave, you, you don't know anybody that was a slave. You're right. My grandparents were. But these are things that have been tra- uh, transferred from generation to generation to generation to generation. Now there's this wall of hatred and bitterness between God's people that are white and God's people that are people of color. There's this wall of separation, this divide, this gap. And Jesus wants to close the gap. So Jesus goes to this wall, or to this well. And we're going to start reading in in John chapter 4. And it says, Now he had to go through Samaria, verse 4. Now he had to go through Samaria. If you've got a, a pen, highlighter, highlight that part. Or if you're in your phone, you can click it. And then at the bottom on the Bible app, you just, it got different color highlighters too. You can. Now, he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sakar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon when a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food, and the Samaritan woman said to him, wait a minute. You a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. Why are you asking me for something to drink? Why are you not even supposed to be talking to me? And then you're asking me for a drink of water? Wait a minute, hold on, sir. Where is your cup? I know you don't think you're gonna put your lips on my cup. Have you not heard about COVID-19? Where is your mask, Jesus? Here, put some hand sanitizer on before you touch my bucket. He went to this well, didn't even have a cup, and he's asking this woman, give me something to drink. And she's like, look, we're not even supposed to be talking to each other. You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. You're black. I'm white. You're... I'm black. You're white. <laughs> or whatever. We're not even supposed to be having this kind of conversation. We're not even supposed to be talking like this. We're not even supposed to be interacting like this because we are different. But Jesus had to go through Samaria. Samaria. And if you look at the picture on the map, you see Jesus is coming from Judea and he's going to Galilee. And if you see the map, Judea is here, Galilee is here, Samaria is in the middle. On the right side of them both is the Jordan River. So the Jews did not like the Samaritans so much. Even though it was quicker to go through Samaria to get to Galilee from Judea, they would go all the way around the side of the Jordan River so that they did not have to come in contact with the Samaritans. But Jesus had to go through Samaria. Jesus had to go through Samaria because he knew that there was this divide that it was not the will of God for Jews and Samaritans to be disconnected, for Jews and Samaritans to not walk in unity. He knew that there was this divide and he had to go through Samaria. Church, we have to go through Samaria because there is this divide between whites and people of color. We have to go through Samaria so that we can close this gap. Most people try to avoid the things that are uncomfortable. You try to avoid the conversations that are uncomfortable because I just don't, I don't like the way it makes me feel. I'm not racist, so I shouldn't have to talk about it. I I don't like the way that makes me feel, but we have to often have some of those uncomfortable conversations. Can I tell you that the gospel is not a comfortable gospel? That if you're comfortable hearing the gospel, then there's something wrong. You ain't really reading it the way that you should be reading it, because the gospel is going to change you. The gospel is going to shine the light on that selfishness on the inside of you. The gospel is going to shine the light on that pride that's on the inside of you. The gospel is going to shine the light on that lustful spirit that's deep on the inside of you that you didn't even know that was there. The gospel is going to shine the light on that racial racial bias that you have on the inside that that's really on the way back side of your heart that you really haven't even acknowledged it, you don't know it's there. The gospel shines the light on that area. And I know he'd be okay with me sharing this, but I'm pastor, and this is why, this is why I acknowledge Pastor Don as my spiritual father and why I'm so honored to be here in this house. He prayed and he said, Father, show me where I may have racial biases in me. And he's been on this journey for, for weeks, for the last several weeks, and actually a couple months. He's been on this journey, and God has just been opening his heart and showing him so many things. And so you're hearing it, and you're like, oh, here we go again. He's talking about this again. Oh, here we go again. He's talking about this again, but God is revealing to him his heart, and he's conveying his heart to you, to me, to us. It's God's heart. It's God's heart to close this gap. Gap. It's God's heart. Now, I didn't even say this in first service, but I, I, I'm going to say it this service. And I heard Pastor Don say it last week, and I know it made some people uncomfortable. When you hear the statement, Black Lives Matter, and I just saw a couple of people start squirming in their, sh- their, their seats. Now, you can say Black Lives Matter and not agree with the Black Lives Matter organization. Can I tell you that I don't agree with the Black Lives Matter organization? I do not I do not agree what they stand for, the things that they have in their policies and the things they, I don't agree with that. But the Black Lives Matter statement, I agree with. And you can agree with the statement and not agree with the organization. Okay, does that make sense? And also, you can say Black Lives Matter and not be isolating blue lives. Or all lives. You can say Black Lives Matter and still be meaning that all lives matter. Here, let me give you this example. I saw this on Instagram. And this person posted. You know, Instagram is like the most amazing thing right now. It's, it's above Google. Um, and I saw this 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 uh, example. And they were explaining the Black Lives Matter, All Lives Matter thing. And they said it's like your house is on fire, and someone and you call the the, uh, the firefighters, and they get to the neighborhood. And no other house is on fire but that one house. And it's not your house that's on fire, but you go to the firefighters and you say, hey, you need to spray water on my house. You're like, but your house isn't on fire. That person's house is on fire. We have to take care of that person's house. But my house matters too. You need to spray water on my house too but your house is not on fire. We have to take care of the house that's on fire. It doesn't mean that your house does not matter. It just means that this house needs our attention at this moment. Your house matters as well. If you look at Matthew 18, Jesus is telling this story to the disciples. And he tells this story. He says, I have a hundred sheep, and I'm paraphrasing, and one of them walks away. If I have one that walks away, the 99 are on the hill. I have to leave the 99 to go get the one that's in trouble. It doesn't mean that the 99 don't matter. What it means is that. This one is in trouble. This one is getting ready to walk off the cliff. This one is by himself. This one is alone. This one needs my affection and my attention. And then he says he is so happy when he gets that one back with the 99. So you can say black lives matter and still mean that all lives matter. It just means that these lives here need attention at this moment. All those lives over there matter, but we have to focus on this one here so that we can get them back to this place over here where they all matter together. I hope that makes sense and I hope that helps you. I hope that clears up some things. Now, I don't agree with with the rioting. I don't agree with the looting. I don't agree with any of that. I agree with the protesting. I agree with all of that. I don't agree with the Black Lives Matter organization, but I agree with the statement. The reason I agree with the statement is because I have experienced some things myself personally. Pastor Dave, right here in the city of New Braunfels, I have experienced some things personally. But we're not talking about that right now. We're talking about Jesus and the Samaritan woman closing the gap. So Jesus goes to this well. I'm going to come back to that because I'm running out of time. And I'm sorry, I just had to share that. I didn't even share that first service. I just felt the Holy Spirit leading me to share that at that moment. So Jesus is at this well. And what Jesus is doing here, the first thing Jesus does to close the gap is he does the unconventional. And when you look at the the word unconventional, what it means is being out of the ordinary, doing things that are contrary to what others believe. So the Jews believed that the Samaritans were nothing. They believed that we shouldn't associate with them, we shouldn't talk to them, they're beneath us, but Jesus had to go through Samaria because Jesus always does unconventional things. Jesus always shows love to the one who feels that they're unlovable. Jesus always shows the one who feels like they don't matter, like they don't have any worth, like their life has no value. He always shows attention to that particular person. He does the unconventional things to close gaps. And when he gets here to this well and he starts to talk to this woman and he asks her for some water, she says, sir, you don't even have a cup. Jesus says to her, In verse 13, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said, sir, give me this water so that I won't be thirsty again. I could go go somewhere with that that I'm not going to go right now. Somebody know, they start laughing. So I won't be thirsty again. Give me this water so I don't have to come back to this well. I'm tired of carrying this bucket. I'm tired of coming up here by myself. And that's the reason why she went at noon because it's the hottest part of the day. Have you ever been outside here in Texas at noon? I mean, it burns your skin off. Like it's that, that, uh, it's hot, hot. Like it's ungodly hot. Like God, why would you just put Texas right underneath the sun? Like really? So she would go to the well at noon because she would be by herself. She didn't want to be ridiculed. She didn't want to be made to feel, uh, to be embarrassed. She didn't want to feel ashamed because of her lifestyle and the things that she had experienced in her past. But Jesus shows up and he does something unconventional and he begins to show her some love. And then he begins to acknowledge her past and he shows her grace in spite of her history. In verse 16, he told her, go call your husband and come back. See, Jesus is think he's slick. Jesus already knew the answer. Go h- call your husband and come back. And she's like, uh, um, uh, Jesus, what had happened was... <laughs> so the guy that... Okay, so I, I've been married before. But the guy that's here now, like, he just got a drawer. He don't have a whole dresser. And it's just, it's just a couple things that he keep here at the house. And then he don't really have his whole, like, toothbrush case. It's just, like, right in a sandwich bag. So it's like, you know, he, he knows that he's not staying that long. So it's just trying to make excuses for it. And how many times do we try to make excuses for our mess? Like, it was, like, we didn't go all the way, Jesus. We just, we just did just a little bit. Like, we... That's a message for another day. He said, go call your husband and come back. She said, I don't have a husband. He's like, you're right, you have five, and the one you're living with right now ain't even your husband. You shacking up. He ain't even your husband. He's living with you. Y'all ain't even married. She's like, whoa. How in the world do you know that? You've been talking to Colleen? Like... I knew she was telling my business. I saw, her, I saw her on Snapchat, and she was sending messages. She wouldn't even let me see it. I, I knew she was telling my business. Jesus, where's she at? <laughs> Jesus said, go. I don't have a husband. She said, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. I perceive that you are a prof- prophet. Isn't it interesting? Because what you see is Jesus doing some reconciliation here. And what you'll see if you continue to read the scripture, you'll see a revival begin to happen. Isn't it interesting that the person that Jesus uses to start a revival in an area is someone who does not have a perfect life, but who has a jacked up, messed up background? Listen, God will use imperfect things to do some amazing things in our imperfect people to do some amazing things in this world. So it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter your life. It doesn't matter the things that you've done in your past. If you have an open heart and a willing heart and wanting to change, God can do something extraordinary in your life. Somebody say amen in here. Hallelujah. I can only imagine what this woman is thinking in this moment. Like this man just like you talking about a read? Like he just told me everything that, I just, that I've done. I ain't told nobody but Colleen. <laughs> How in the world did he know all of this about me? But wait a minute. He know all of this about me and he's still showing me love? He knows my life. He just told me everything I did and what I did before I even came to this well and he's still giving me grace? That's the love of Jesus. He shows her grace and Jesus shows her grace and he shows her love because this woman, this one life mattered to Jesus, but Jesus sees the much bigger picture. She said, I perceive you're a prophet, verse 19, verse 20. Our ancestors, she tried to catch him up here. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you, Jesus, claimed that the place that we must worship is in Jerusalem. Women, woman, Jesus said, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. A time is coming when neither you will worship in a black church or in a white church. A time is coming when you're not going to worship in a Baptist church or a Pentecostal or Methodist church, but a time is coming coming when you're going to worship together because that time is now here, verse 23, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, where it doesn't matter the color of your skin, but it matters what's on the inside of your heart. For these are the kind of worshipers that the Father is seeking. Do I have any worshipers, any true worshipers in here that it doesn't matter where I've been? It doesn't matter what I've done, but I know that God saved me. You don't know my story. You don't know the things that I've been through. And if he can save me, then he can save anybody else. Somebody shout amen in here. Hallelujah. felt like I was in my dad's church for a minute there. So. What can we do to close the gap? What can you and I do to close the gap? The first thing that we can do is we can sit down at the well. Just like Jesus did. He did something unconventional. He sat down at the well at this place of uncomfortability for this woman. He sat down at this well, not uh, in essence, not really truly looking for something from her, but to see what he could actually give to her. And sometimes you just have to sit down at the well. It's not always about you, but it's about what you can give to someone else. I shared this story in first service, and I'll share it here. A couple years ago, this is right after uh, the, everything happened with Philando Castile. Some of you know who he is. Some of you may not. A few years ago, we were living in New Braunfels. I'm riding up the back roads here, coming into work, the, literally the next day after it happened. Riding into work on my motorcycle. And I get down... Uh, Uh, I don't know, what was that Green Valley? I turn down Green Valley and I'm coming down this road, coming up this way and I get pulled over by a a sheriff. The sheriff gets out of the car and he starts walking up to me. He gets up to me. He has his hand on his gun. He says, what are you doing back here, boy? My hands are on the steering wheel and I'm shaking because I've been here before. I said, officer, I'm a pastor at Tree of Life. I'm just trying to get to work, that's all. I didn't even look at him. He said, well, let me see your license. He took his hand off his gun. And got took my license. He went back to the car. He came back. He said, all right, you're good. Have a good day. I wasn't speeding. I wasn't doing anything but driving. So I come into the office and I go walk into my office and I, I, I go in and I close the door. And I just began to cry because I wasn't thinking at this time, what did I do wrong? I'm thinking, am I going to make it home to my wife and kids? I'm on this back road, there's no cameras back here, there's just trees, it's just me and him, it's his word against mine, am I gonna make it home? Listen, it may not be your reality, but it's mine. Pastor Dave, the one you see smiling all the time, the one you see up here worshiping and giving God every single thing that I have on the inside of me, The one that you see giving you hugs and giving you high fives, the one who's come to your hospital rooms and prayed for you, the one who has done your marriages, the one who has helped your kids, that has happened to me. No, you may not know the story of the people that you see on on TV, but you know me. So I'm sitting in the office and I start to cry. I finally get myself together and then there's a knock on the door. Pastor Cody comes in. He comes in and he sits down. He said, Pastor Dave, I just want to know how you're doing. He said, I just want to know how you're doing. With everything that's going on, how are you? Pastor Cody came and sat down at the well. It was uncomfortable for him. And he said something to me today. He said, my whole perspective, my whole view and perspective on everything that has happened changed when I began to talk to you and I heard your story. I started looking at it differently when I sat down at the well and I talked to you. I began to see a bigger picture. Sometimes it's uncomfortable for you. Sometimes it may be uncomfortable for the other person, but we've got to sit down at the well. We have to, point to have the conversation even if it's uncomfortable. And we have to see through the eyes of Jesus, not through the lens of culture. Because culture dictates something right now. Culture, as we see it, when you say black lives matter, you're saying that blue lives don't matter. That's what culture says, but it's not true. I had a conversation at our distribution. I was in the, in, in the bathroom up there with an officer, and men don't talk in the bathroom, so I waited till we got outside. If you try to talk to me in the bathroom, I just want to let you know it's weird, okay? Especially, yeah, you wait till we get out, Okay? got it? Okay. So I waited till we got outside and I stopped him. I said, Hey man, this was uh, just our last distribution. I said, man, I just want to tell you, thank you. I just want to tell you, thank you for what you do. And I want you to know that our church, that we love you and that we're praying for you because most people don't know what it feels like to walk out of the house, not knowing if you're going to make it back home, but you do. And I want you to know that we're praying for you. And, and this church loves you and that we're here for you. And he said, man, I'm, thank you so much for that. He said, you never know what that, means, what that means to me. He said, I know that there are some bad officers out here, but there are more of us that are good. And I said, and we know that. Here, we know that. Because here's, here's the truth of the matter. And I talked to an officer uh, after first service. He came up to me and he shared some stuff with me. He said the same exact thing. He apologized to me for what I experienced. He said, all of us aren't like that. And the truth of the matter is, is the same thing that we see happening in our police force across the country, not just here, that those few little apples that spoil it for everyone is the same thing that happens in God's church. Those few pastors that have done you wrong, now you don't even want to come back to church no more because that one pastor that did you wrong, now every pastor and every church is wrong because of that one pastor. So if it's okay to have that view of the church, it's not okay to have that view of the church. It's not okay to have that view of our police officers. See through the eyes of Jesus, not through the lens of culture. I'm going to go over a few minutes. I'm sorry. Chapter 4, verse 27 through 28. I really want to hit these last two points. In the message, listen to this. Just then, his disciples came back. Look at this. They were shocked. They couldn't believe he was talking with that kind of woman. No one said what they were thinking but their faces showed it. And watch this. The woman took the hint, and she left. Can you imagine what this woman is feeling in this moment? That I've just had this amazing encounter and interaction with such an awesome man who knows everything about me, and he still loves me, and then his friends show up. And they didn't even say anything. It was their silence and the look on their faces that said it all. The woman took the hint and she left. How many people of color do you know? You haven't even asked how they're doing. Your silence speaks louder. People of color, how many of our white brothers and sisters have you not asked how they're doing, your silence speaks louder. How many people have you given that hint because you were silent and they've walked away and they've left? Let's bring it over here. How many times have you as a believer seen a same-sex couple and the look on your face said it all? How many times have you seen someone smoking or seen someone drinking or seen someone using language that they probably shouldn't, and the look on your face has given them the hint? This is a church where it doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter where you come from. The mission of this church is to connect all people to the life, love, and, body of, er, and power of Christ. I had a mother come to me. She's new to this area. And she said, I just want to know. She said, my my daughter is a lesbian. I just want to know, is it okay for her to be here? I said, really? Absolutely. Now, we won't compromise the word of God. But we're going to love her with every bit of love we have on the inside of us. And who's to say that that one encounter of love that she has here at this church, maybe she's that woman at the well that will go back to her city and cause, start a revival? Every interaction matters, every life matters. See the bigger picture. See the bigger picture. And I didn't get to this verse in first service, but I want to hit it here. John chapter four, 34 through 35, in the message, Jesus said, the food keeps me, the food now, they ask Jesus, like, we want to get you some food. Are you hungry? Jesus like, no, I'm good. He says, the food that keeps me going is that I do the will of the one who sent me, finishing the work he started. As you look around, now watch this. Jesus is seeing the bigger picture because Jesus knew what they were doing. Jesus knew how they looked at this woman and that she left. And then in her confusion, it said she left her water pot and left. And Jesus knew what they were doing and knew the, what, was, what was on the inside of, of their hearts. And so Jesus is addressing it here. He says, as you look around right now, wouldn't you say that in about four months it will be time to harvest? Well, I'm telling you, open your eyes and take a good look at what's right in front of you. These Samaritan fields are ripe. It's harvest time. Listen, church, I'm telling you, open your eyes. Look around. These Samaritan fields are ripe. It's harvest time. Listen, don't get so caught up in the media. Don't get so caught up in all of those things and let that influence your heart. These Samaritan fields are ripe, it's harvest time. This is our finest hour. As a church, as God's children, this is our finest hour, and we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to be the church or be what the world says that we are. Are we going to be the church or are we going to be what the world says that we are? Are we going to be the salt and light? Are we going to be different? Or are they going to look at us as the word says and know that we are followers of Christ, that we are his disciples by our love? Yes. Amen. Worship team can come on up. Jesus has this interaction with the Samaritan woman. Her heart has changed. Her life has changed. And then we don't even know, like Jesus asked for her for water. This is a whole other thing. They don't even say that he even got any water. But what that tells me is it was never about Jesus getting water from her. It was about what he could give to her. So she goes back to the city and she starts to tell everybody what happens or happened to her. And they're like, well, wait a minute. If he changed you, because we know where you've been. We know what you would have done. If he changed you, we got to hear this for ourselves. So they asked Jesus to stay with them. And Jesus stays for two days. And I want you to I wanna see, read this to you. Verse 39 to 42, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. Now watch this. And they said to her, wait a minute. Y'all wouldn't even talk to her before. Y'all avoided her before but now you're having conversations with her because she was changed now they are changed as a result of it so they said to her we no longer believe just because of what you said now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world so we have an awesome opportunity church to be what this woman was to the Samaritans where they will look at us and say I don't know I don't believe I don't believe in Jesus anymore because of what you said Mike I believe because I've experienced him for myself that's why I tell our our student leaders for for our youth for our middle and high school students listen we can teach them all the Bible what we want to teach them but what's going to change them and what's going to keep them going is having an experience and an encounter with the Holy Spirit. That's what they're going to remember. Because Google is going to try to rule out everything that the Bible says. But what Google can't rule out is that encounter that they have with, our, with the Most High God. That's what changes us. That's what makes us different. And in Acts, when I'm going to say this and we'll close. I'm so far over. Please forgive me. He's texting Pastor Don right now. (laughs) As soon as I said that, he reached for his phone. (laughs) I think Pastor Don would be okay with that. Last thing I'll say in Acts. Jesus says, or it says in Acts, that you will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And I never paid attention to that until I started to read this. The reason being is because he says, you will be my witnesses. Now, he's talking about talking to the Jews. He says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria. And in the uttermost parts of the world. What I'm telling you is that Jesus's picture is so much bigger than what we can see. Our finite minds can only see here, but his mind is. The mind of Christ is so vast. It's so amazing. You're going to be my witnesses in the places that you're comfortable with, Jerusalem and Judea, but then you're going to be my witnesses in the places that you're uncomfortable with, in Samaria and in the uttermost parts of the world. That's our mission, church. It's time to rise up. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church